0: Welcome to the Dynasty Junkies podcast with your hosts, Rocky Petrella and Dustin Church. Let's get to the show. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode seven of the Dynasty Junkies podcast. Proud member of the Dynasty Addicts podcast network, along with Fantasy Timeline and the Trade Addicts pod. We were on Fantasy Timeline last night, so take a listen to them as well. And normally I might do a little chit chat with Dustin here. I'm Rocky. This is, you know, Dustin is my co-host. But we want to get right into this. So we're going to introduce our guest. Got a very special guest this week. The one, the only. Uh, some call him the Godfather of Dynasty. Mm-hmm. Uh, staying on brand, we could call him the uh, the original Dynasty Junkie, Ryan McDowell. Ryan, thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, guys. Thank, <laughs> thanks for having me. That's that's a great introduction. I, I, don't, I don't live up. Give it a shot.
0: Okay, so Ryan, I wanted to, everyone knows who you are, so let what you do and all the different podcasts you do, just I doubt anybody who's listening to us doesn't know that already, but tell us what you do.
1: Uh, Sure, I I keep pretty busy. So uh, (laughs) I've been with with the Dynasty League Football since 2012. Uh, This just had my eight-year anniversary there a couple couple months ago, and last July became uh, part owner of the site. So, uh, still do some writing, uh, certainly for them, collect ADP through monthly mock drafts for DLF as well. Uh, but also kind of, uh, doing a lot more work behind the scenes, bring in new writers, uh, managing content, some things like that. So definitely keep my hands, uh, hands full with all that stuff. Also do the DLF dynasty podcast with Matt price and Dan, uh, Dan Myler, um let's see what else also the dynasty blueprint with matt williamson commission impossible podcast with scott fish uh periodically do some work for roto world as well eh, i think that's probably it a few more things over the years but that's that's the current status i believe
0: yeah with all that and and uh, scott Fish bull 10 going on glad you can make some time for us but um, to start off. I want to just kind of get into um, how you got uh, into dynasty originally, and sort of if you could just tell us a little about your
1: journey to DLF, sure, absolutely. Um, so dynasty, a uh, dynasty league was actually my first league. Uh, of course, most people start with redraft uh, or seasonal leagues, but that was it was a little different for me. I just had a, a, a buddy at work who uh, was in a dynasty league, it was his, his college buddies league. And he would talk about it pretty often. It, uh, I'm an elementary school teacher, so very few men in, in that profession. So we kind he and I kind of latched on and, and talked sports and, and everything else when we had the chance. Um, so he would always talk about this, this fantasy football league. I was familiar with the concept, of course, but had never tried it. And, and eventually, uh, I was invited to join his league. And I mean from then I was, from then on, I was totally hooked. Loved it. Loved everything about it. Really got more and more involved um, almost immediately. Looked for other leagues to join. Uh, got active on uh, message boards, message boards and forums. This was this was pre um, pre Twitter, of course. This is like 2002, I believe. Um, and just found myself really always being the most active person in my league. Uh, just just couldn't get enough of it. Um, was super active on the Football Guys forum and kind of part of that community early on. Again, that was pre-Twitter. And then when Twitter began uh, to to really become popular, that was like 20, 2010, I guess. Uh, it, that's kind of when I started uh, becoming active on there. That's when things really opened up for me. Kind of saw the how big the fantasy community was because at that point it was, I I was a diehard for anything football guys, you know, whatever Sigmund Bloom said, whatever David Dodds and, and all those guys said, that's, that's what I was buying into. And I knew there were other fantasy sites, but honestly just didn't, didn't, uh, didn't care too much. I was, I was definitely a football guys uh, fan. So seeing, seeing Twitter meeting uh, virtually meeting so many other people from other sites, kind of seeing just, just branching out and seeing other work. Uh, so I became active on Twitter and then in 2012, Eric Dickens from DLF reached out and offered me, uh, a writing position, At uh, that, that was before DLF was even a subscription site. So it was, it was an unpaid gig. Um, and then, uh, that, uh, just kind of went from there, basically. Uh, I was one of the first five writers for the site. Uh, and I think I'm, uh, other than the the founding partners, I think I'm the longest tenured member, I believe, uh, currently oh, wow. there.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, definitely very interesting. Yeah. That's kind of, I think, how it goes in this uh, industry. Everything's pretty much unpaid to start, and <laughs> you just yeah. got to have a passion for it. And eventually, maybe you, do, you get something out of it. But um, so we have more questions for you, but first, um, we're going to get into a segment we do at the top of every show, which is our fantasy face off. We take a couple of the, uh, you know, usually similarly valued players, sometimes the same position, sometimes not. We haven't done cross positions. Um, I think this is the, since the first one we did. So we picked uh, two different positions this week. It's uh, Travis Kelsey versus Derek Henry. We're we're going with a tw- this is in a 12 team super flex, non tight end premium setting. We're kind of judging this because that's what we, we went off the DLF ADP. Um, they're both very close. They're both kind of similar in the sense that the further positions, they're kind of aging um, somewhat. And uh, but they're both still producing at a good level. So. Uh, we did poll it and Kelsey came out 54% to 46% over 381 votes. Uh, although uh, Henry actually has the slightly higher ADP, Superflex ADP at 27 and Kelsey's at 29. Uh, uh, which do you prefer for your dynasty teams, Ryan?
1: Yeah, this one, uh, it, it was, it was a close poll, but it's not quite that close for me. I'm, I'm, I would prefer Travis Kelsey here pretty easily Uh, for quite a few reasons. You look at just how they scored last year. Travis Kelsey was a tight end one, a top 12 tight end in 88% of his games. Uh, You you look at RB1 numbers for Derrick Henry, and of course, a a different scale comparing, again, running back to tight end. But Derrick Henry gave you a running back uh, RB1 game 60% of the time. Uh, Only 7% of the time was he an RB2. So he's kind of a boom bust performer. Uh, but you also notice, I mean, this trend really goes back years and years. Once that running back starts to lose value, he loses value quickly. Uh, so I, I think that's what we could see with Derrick Henry this time next year. Some uncertainty about what team he might even play for. Lots of uh, lots of thoughts that under that franchise tag, Tennessee might just kind of ride him into the ground this year and, and let him walk after that. So uh, just... Just the uncertainty of his future, uh, the aging running back. I'm, I'm taking Travis Kelsey here.
0: And Dustin, you've been a little quiet, so why don't you chime in next?
2: <laughs> I mean, how do, you, how do you really back that up? Um, there's not really <laughs> much to say from that. No, I'm the same way. Like I, would, I, I, I like Henry this year. I'm, I'm with Ryan that I think they're going to run him into the ground. But after this year, I don't know what that's going to look like for him and i've been preaching all in every episode so far like i'm trying to sell running backs their last year of their contract before the second year of contract just to get out because we see that value tank and i don't want to i don't want henry to be i don't see i don't see him having a lot of long-term value in the league just like ryan said so i'm, I'm pretty easily kelsey here um even though it's not tied in premium um that offense also is just going to be a lot better um than what tennessee has um Tennessee had like, and they showed it down the stretch. Their offense will just sometimes disappear. Now, you know that that could be part of Ryan Tannehill, and that could help Henry. But I just don't long term wise. I don't see him staying in Tennessee, and I want the piece on the better offense.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm going to make it three for three here. Um, like you said, Henry uh, Henry only barely outscored him last year. As it is. Given the positional value of you know having one of those top tight ends, even in a 12-team league, it gives you a huge advantage. And we've seen that elite tight ends can often produce well into their 30s too. Gonzo was producing for a while. Gates was um, producing well for a while and hung on until he was in his late 30s um, as a semi-relevant player. So, um, yeah, three for three, everybody Kelsey. So, sounds good. So, let's get into our commissioner corner. Commissioner Corner. Every week we do this. Um, again, we've been g- generally doing basic topics, and we're kind of going to do a basic topic here, kind of inspired by by Ryan and Scott's pod, Commission Impossible. Um, there's not a lot of other uh, pods that do a lot of commissioner stuff, but so we wanted, since we had you on here, um, we wanted to ask you some questions. I think, uh, Dustin, you had uh, a question for him, uh, commissioner related.
2: Yeah. So, what advice would you give to commissioners out there, um, both kind of long-term commissioners and anyone looking to s- kind of start their own league? Any resources? Any people to reach out to? Kind of, what's your process for giving advice on on starting a league?
1: Uh, well, first of all, I would I would Give that same advice that Scott gives every episode of Commission Impossible. Just just to binge those episodes, they're they're pretty short. They're um, mostly under thirty minutes, and we tackle a ton of topics. And, and Scott reminds you every every episode that for the most part they are evergreen. So go back and listen to episode one. Listen to any of the episodes along the way, and and I hope that you could uh, get some helpful tips along the way. But what I always said, and I've said it on the podcast as well, when you're starting a league, I think you can start one of two ways. You can either uh, get your people together, meaning get get the other 11 owners that, that are going to be in the league. And then together you can kind of start laying out the, the format of the league, what the rules are. So maybe you start with your people and then you decide what the format and what the rules are going to be. Uh, I would say that's pretty rare. We're, probably talking about a home league there in that situation. What's much more common is for, for that one individual, that one commissioner to come up with a format, what rules do they want uh, to include? Uh, what's going to be special about their league? And then you seek out the owners. You can do that through Twitter, through uh, message boards. You know, DLF has a section just for finding owners for dynasty leagues uh, football guys does as well. I'm sure, sh- I'm sure probably all, uh, Fantasy forums have something like that. Uh, but I, I, that's what I would say. Just to start out one or the other. Either get your people or get your rules kind of set in stone and then go from there.
0: Yeah, that's an, that's an interesting point. Yeah, I think usually, like you said, it does start the other way. But um, I actually did have a league. I, I, I run multiple leagues, mostly from guys I met through Twitter. I do run one home league. But um, I had a guy, a bunch of guys that are in some of my other leagues that had a bad experience with a, another league um, where they had a horrible commissioner and dropped out before the startup because the guy was changing rules. Mm-hmm. And so I, I set up a new league just just because of that. And I basically took them all in a group me and I was like, how do you guys want to do this? And we just talked about everything. So you can you can do it either way. It definitely works.
2: Yeah, um, definitely, you want to make sure like, as a commissioner starting out, and I say, I say this every episode, Rocky's probably going to laugh at me, but make <laughs> sure you have bylaws to help protect you going forward. It's just going to be great for the league, great for the owners. And, and if you're a new commissioner trying to recruit people, one of the first questions they're going to ask you is, do you have bylaws for the league? So and just he- make sure if you're starting that out, you have a set of bylaws that your league is going to follow. And from there, it's, it's, it's a lot easier.
0: I think he literally has said that every episode (laughs) we were on fantasy timeline. And he said it on there yesterday. So (laughs) it's,
1: you Uh, know, it it is good advice. I, um, and Rocky, I I had a similar experience actually the first leagues uh, or the first league I commissioned was uh, the hyperactive league, which is, there's now five of them and uh, a a lot of, a lot of names you would know around the industry have played in those leagues for years, but those leagues started again, I, keep referencing football guys those leagues started on the football guys message board around uh, february or march basically a big group of of people including myself um kind of complaining that their dynasty leagues were dead in the offseason nothing was going on no trading uh, you, you do the draft and that's it so we wanted that activity and this this group of of folks were looking for someone to run the league. And I don't, I don't know what it was, but something made me step up and take on that role. Even though I had never done that before, Uh, wrote a pretty extensive set of bylaws that uh, of course they've changed over the years as we voted on rule changes and things like that. But um, they've, they have been, they've been pretty reliable for me. And I'm glad to share those every, every once in a while, I'll I'll post those on Twitter, just just, just so people who might need them can, can pull ideas from them. And uh, I, I never mind if people, you know, steal them word for word, that's fine with me.
0: Yeah. And no, I actually just this off season got into hyperactive five. So thanks for that.
1: That's right. Yeah. yeah. Glad to have
0: you. Yep. Um, okay. So uh, we have s- later on, we're going to get into some more listener questions, but I threw this one in here because I think it sort of touches on the commissioner aspect because it's kind of about um, league format. Um, this is from Keith Enzminger uh, at the Esming Dynasty. Um, and he says, what's what's the next big thing in Dynasty? In the past few years, Superflex has risen to be king. Devi has become increasingly popular. So what's next?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I thought about that one for a long time today or over <laughs> the past couple of days. I'm, I'm not sure I, I have a great answer, honestly, but I think what Keith mentions there probably is the actual answer because... In our little in our little Twitter bubble, right? Like it feels like superflex has become king, but in but that's not the reality. You know, one quarterback leagues are still the most popular. So what I hope is the next big thing. What I hope really does take over is superflex. Um, I hope that becomes the norm. You know, at DLF we'll do we'll do content based on uh, the one quarterback format, and and occasionally we'll get requests to. Do something similar for superflex, but you know, based on the data that that we see that we collect, the large majority are still in those one quarterback leagues. So hopefully, that's the next big thing that superflex actually does become king, as Keith mentioned. There, um, he also talks about Devi. I, I hope that continues to rise. Superflex and Devi, a combination of those would would definitely be uh, my favorite format of of dynasty league, along with contract. Uh, contractor auctions i don't know i don't know that auctions will ever become the norm or or the most popular but they're certainly the most fun and i think once you try them you know it's hard to go back to those snake drafts
2: yeah we talked about that a couple episodes ago with uh was it the one with bobby yeah bobby Koch was on that we talked a lot about auction versus um snake draft And, and rocky's a snake draft guy but i'm a I'm an auction guy. I think there's just so much strategy that goes into an auction that it just adds another layer of complexity that I like in my leagues. Um, I just joined Rocky started a, a um, contract league. It's my first contract league this year. And it, it's been pretty interesting off season already.
1: Yeah. A friend of mine, a uh, co-host of, of the DLF podcast with me, Dan Myler is, uh, I mean, he's, he's a contract salary cap league expert. Um, and, and he reminds me that if, if you're playing contract, if you're playing salary cap, it's, it's not really a true dynasty, you know, because you do have to make those decisions. And there's going to come a time where you're going to lose a player you don't want to lose uh, because of a contract or, or a salary cap issue. Uh, but, but yeah, it certainly adds some fun wrinkles and some more challenges.
0: Yeah, contract is definitely um, a little more it's almost got sort of a redraft aspect to it almost because of guys contracts running out and be able to pick a, pick them up just for money or whatever. But, um, and I think you sort of answered what our next question was, which was, was your preferred format. So basically would be super flex uh, Debbie.
1: Yeah. So several years ago, I um, there was a conversation on Twitter about your favorite uh, favorite format or favorite aspect of your league and, um, I was just kind of taking all this in for an article that uh, that I was doing, and I saw people mention Devi and people mentioned Superflex or tight end premium or uh, contract or auction or salary cap or, or whatever uh, IDP as well. And I thought, why not just take all all of these and put them into one league? And that's what I tried to do. I'm I'm not an IDP guy, so I I left that out. Tom and <laughs> and, and Adam and some of these guys would uh, would not like that, but. Um, for the most part, I, I tried to get all of those things into one league and I called it the kitchen sink league. And now there's five of those as well. Uh, and those are contract auction, auction, everything we have, we have five auctions every off season, um, you know, one a month. So every, every month there's something happening in those kitchen sink leagues, which, which just, uh, not only you know, not only encourages activity, but requires activity almost. So you can't, you can't take the off season off and, and just sit back and check on your team in September. You've got to be actively managing really year round, which is one of the reasons uh, that I love the format. So, but yeah, that's, that's auction contract. Uh, It's not salary cap. It's not IDP. So we didn't quite get the full kitchen Mm -hmm. sink, but we, we got pretty close.
0: And if you ever have any openings in kitchen sink, me and Dustin are available. All right. <laughs> yes.
1: Well, you 100%. know, there's, yeah, there's, there's five leagues and they're actually, um, they're what, they're what, uh, MFL calls deluxe league. So there's, they're 24 team. Uh, so yeah, we've got well over a hundred owners and, and we do have, uh, we have openings every off season. So yeah, you okay. guys are welcome to join.
0: Okay. We'll keep an Definitely. eye out. Okay, so now we'll get into our Dynasty Strategy section of the show.
1: Dynasty Strategy!
0: Which is basically going to be picking Ryan's brain a lot here. So, basically, I figured we couldn't have you on here and not talk Scott Fishbowl 10. So, um, you talked a lot about it on on, uh, Commission Impossible, uh, I think it was last week or maybe earlier this week. Um, but what are your change? Uh, you didn't get too much into it. What are your changes on the, the quarterback scoring changes he put in there? How it affects maybe drafting strategy with quarterbacks and, uh, are, are sacks a QB stat?
1: Yeah. So the, the quarterback sack is, is the big change from, uh, from, from past seasons. And I, I love the SFB scoring because Scott tinkers with it, uh, r- really every year. And, um, just, just striving to make it the perfect scoring system. I love that he adds and, and changes things uh, each year. So this year, yeah, it is, it is the quarterback sacks. Uh, you Every time your quarterback gets sacked, you are losing, uh, you're losing a full point for that. And uh, it, you know, that's, that's a stat that for the most part, I don't think fantasy players really pay attention to as far as how often uh, a quarterback is getting sacked, but you're going to have to now. And I think it's going to make a a huge impact because you look at who were the, the sack leaders last year, and it's, it's some of the top quarterbacks that would typically be drafted. Deshaun Watson led the league with 55 sacks last year. Uh, Russell Wilson, 54. Kyler Murray and Matt Ryan tied with 48 each. So, I mean, those four guys are going to be – uh, what probably top seven or eight quarterbacks in a normal redraft league and i think now at the very least you have to reevaluate that you have to take a look and think is that you know do i really want uh, watson or as my qb1 do i really want um you know matt ryan or, or do you kind of look a different direction and it mix in that with the fact that it's a super flex league and and that just always ups the quarterback value. It's going to be, it's really going to be difficult to manage.
2: Yeah. I was looking at some of the people's tweets about uh, Drew Brees being like the number two scorer just in this format. And I, you know, I was thinking of players like him with good offensive lines, like, because it's also completions and incompletions. And I was like, you know, maybe like a sneaky guy would be like Kirk cousins. Like they got a good line over there, like in Minnesota, he's pretty, pretty accurate with the ball. So like, you know, uh, traditionally, you know, you can get Kirk Cousins in in the mid mid teens, but in this format, he might be bumped up a little bit. So I think it's really interesting, and it's going to throw a whole other dynamic. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty pumped about it. Yeah, yeah that's a, you go, Random. You go.
1: Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Ricky. That that's a great point on Cousins. He was uh, he only took thirty six sacks. I, I say only, but uh, that basically put him middle of the pack last year. And I mean, really between the uh, between the the rushing for the quarterbacks, which which always bumps their value, along with the sack, uh, the negative points for the sacks, to me it just makes Lamar Jackson worth even more than he already was. He uh, he took twenty seven sacks last year, uh, among the lowest for uh, quarterbacks who played the majority of the season. And I mean, if he's not if he's not a top two or three pick in every league, you know, I think somebody somebody messed up.
0: Yeah I I got him at 106 in a mock and I couldn't believe it. Um, but that and won't yeah happen
1: on draft day. No, I don't <laughs>
0: think so. People will wise up. But um and I was thinking too with the the draft strat Originally I thought maybe it might make and I think it does make maybe the the elite quarterbacks more important especially a guy like Lamar who doesn't get sacked a lot. But I actually think it almost makes it even easier if you don't get one of those top guys to maybe wait on a quarterback because th- there's a lot of potential negative points in there for quarterbacks that I think is maybe even bringing them down a little. It, 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 especially when you throw in the completion thing, which we haven't brought up, but the, he's doing, I think, what a half a point for completions and minus one for incompletions. So if any guy, anytime a guy has under 66% in a game, he's getting negative points for that, that portion of it. So, um, it, yeah, I think it could make the, quarterbacks, maybe a little less value once you get into that lesser tier. You guys agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And um, I'm, I'm hesitant to rely on SFB ADP because I think we're all still kind of trying to figure out what this is going to look like. And, and I, you know, I think, uh, I think Dustin's right that come draft day, it's going to look totally different, but we are seeing, you know, quality, maybe I shouldn't say quality, we're seeing starting quarterbacks still available in like round seven, eight, nine of the mock drafts. I mean, you can get Darnold there. You can get Minshew there. You certainly can get um, guys like Jarrett Stidham there. So um, if you think I'm going to, I've got to get my two quarterbacks in the first two or three rounds and then, and then some, you know, those guys are getting you negative points some weeks, you might as well wait.
2: Yep. hundred percent. That's kind of where I'm always, I'm usually a, a quarterback early. And then, so I did that last year and then I was surprised how late they were still available. So I'm, I'm probably going to switch it up a little bit this year. All right. So um, next question we had. Um, so analytics versus film, how do you weigh them in which way do you kind of lean?
1: Yeah. I always struggle with this question, honestly, because first of all, I don't, I don't consider myself an expert in either area. I guess if I did, I would have a stronger take on it. Um, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a film grinder. I'm not a scout. I can't, I can't watch games and diagnose plays. That's just not, you know, that's not a skill I have. Um, but I, I love that so many out there do and I, you know, I love that I can listen to Matt Waldman and, and so many other guys like him who, can sit down and watch a game and tell me what's good and bad about a player. So I, I, I love to soak that in. And, and it's really the same, the the same story on the analytics. We see, we see some fantasy analysts out here, like creating their own new stats. I mean, I'm always blown away when, when people do that, that, that not only can they crunch that data, but they basically invent a new statistic that, um, that sometimes is, is really meaningful and can really tell us a lot about individual players and, and the game as a whole. So I wish I could do one or both of those really well. But, uh, you know, I'm here, right Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm just kind of stuck in the middle and trying to learn from both sides. But uh, we don't see it as much anymore. You know, there used to be the the really strong debates uh, of one side versus the other. And I mean, it still happens a little bit. We see it with like Henry Ruggs when there's that really. Uh, like plant your flag player that you've got to take a side on. Uh, But it it used to be that way. I mean, years and years ago, I don't, I don't know how long you guys have been, you know, active on Twitter and everything, but I mean, three and four years ago it was like that with pretty much every player. And it was, Mm -hmm. uh, it was maddening, you know, you, you just, you couldn't really learn anything because it was just a, it was basically just a fight. So uh, I love to take, uh, take information from both of those sides and, uh, I think if you're ignoring either one, you're, you're doing yourself an injustice.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I, like you said, I, I'm not an expert in either. I've I've tried to start get more into watching film, but I, I don't consider myself an expert on it. I try and judge the guys the best I can from what I see, but uh, I, it's exactly what you said. Just listen to people who do it more than you, <laughs> the film grinders, the analytic guys. Um, I mean, we're going to have uh, an analytics guy I think on next week. So just, yeah, take everything in and mix it all together and form your own opinion. I I, I tend to, uh, I think, probably lean more towards the um, listening more, to, I think, probably to the film guys, but the analytics definitely helps uh, add to the equation. So, um, the next question we wanted to ask you is, and I, this came from, I think it was in, sometime within the last month. I think I heard it on the, it, it was, it was the Super Flex Super Show. Um, Sam Lane, Stompy, FF Stompy, and I think it was John Hogue where uh, almost the whole show were debating productive struggle and what the exact definition mm-hmm. was and they were going back and forth on it. I don't think either of them was sure exactly what the definition <laughs> was. And as far as I know, you're kind of the one who came up with the term. So what exactly is the definition of productive struggle?
1: Yeah, I, I heard a little bit about that. There was <laughs> I think there, there was a little frustration on both ends there. Yeah. Um yeah, so uh, I guess in I, I didn't exactly coin the term productive struggle I wish I did uh, because it's 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 brilliant I think it's actually a an educational term uh, and and I am a teacher uh, but I, I I heard it used at a, a meeting or a conference one time and this was actually at the end of the school year around this time of year the, the you know the school year was over I was ready for ready for summer and and kind of checked out from, from any school stuff. But I I hear this term productive struggle and I immediately start thinking fantasy football and how can I, how can I relate that? And, and I knew, I knew what it was to me, you know, to me, it was what we have so for so long called tanking. Um, So I wrote an article, I think that was 2014, I believe. I wrote an article about productive struggle and, uh, you know, it, it it kind of took off and, and has grown in popularity. And I still think it's just to hear people use that term still is pretty cool knowing that uh, that I kind of brought it to the fantasy football space. But uh, the, the gist of the article was based around a, a startup dynasty draft, being willing to give up that first year to struggle that first year. Uh, and and honestly hopefully get last place in the first year and reap the rewards beyond that the rewards of course being the 101 uh, rookie pick uh the that following season we know uh, on average the the top rookie pick is a is at worst a second round startup pick so if you look at it that way over the first uh, let's say 15 months of your league not only are you bringing in the uh, what you get from the startup draft, but you're also adding uh, a top 24 player to that team just a little over a year later. So I, I think that's a huge benefit. Uh, Some of the other parts of the productive struggle, the original productive struggle article, I think would, would probably change if I wrote it today uh, because we've seen the NFL change. So at that time it was a focus on building your team around wide receivers uh, basically, ignoring the um, the running back position, I I used a lot of Sean Siegel's zero running back work. Uh, kind of trans that article that he wrote for Rotoviz around the same time was uh, focused on redraft or seasonal leagues. I kind of took some of those same ideas and applied them to Dynasty. Uh, I I don't think that would quite be the same now because you know we've seen an influx of of talented running backs. And again, the game has changed as it, as it does every few years, but uh, focusing on uh, youth, focusing on acquiring extra picks, trading down in a startup draft, uh, looking for those really those sweet spots, avoiding the dead spots of a draft. And and you learn that by doing mock drafts, by studying ADP data, et cetera.
2: Yeah. I was big into the productive struggle for a while. I, I did a couple of startups with, with Rocky and just in a whole bunch of my other leagues. And I, I constantly was trading back, collecting those firsts. And I, I think I left one of Rocky's leagues with 10 or 11 firsts the next year. Yeah. And, and people are catching on to it now. Like I'm in a lot of the stars I'm, I'm in now, people are, everyone's seeming to want to trade back. So it's harder to pull off now just because there's so much more talent, like you talked about. It's like, everyone's trying to pick up those extra mid mid round picks and future picks because they see the value in that. You know, your rookie picks are always going to increase in value up until the draft. And but I I'm I I love the productive struggle. If you can pull it off, it it's it's fun. You have to be patient with it. You have to you have to go to that next draft doing it. You can't be like, oh, well, I have all these picks. Now I'm going to just try to try to win this year. No, like you, you gotta be patient, but it's, it can be super productive and it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. I think a lot
1: of, uh, I think it's harder to do now, honestly, because a lot of the, um, a lot of the pieces of productive struggle, as you said, everybody wants to do like almost everybody in a startup wants to trade back. Almost everybody in a startup wants future rookie picks. Almost everybody in a startup wants to focus on youth instead of uh, those older veterans. Like five, six years ago when I wrote that article, your your typical dynasty startup draft actually looked pretty similar to a redraft, right? Like people did not pay attention very much to the age of a player. Um, That was really one of the um, the points I wanted to stress in that article, how important age was. Uh, the guys at RotoViz, uh, Sean Siegel, John Moore, over the years have done uh, awesome work, uh, really letting us know how important player age is in dynasty fantasy football. So um, I-, I would say a-, a large number of fantasy players, dynasty players, are using some of those productive struggle tenants. They just they don't want to lose. They're not ready to give up on that first season, which I understand, you know, that's that's really the main criticism of the strategy is I want to try to win every year. And, and I get that. I'm okay with that. Uh, but I also like that 1.01 reward the next year.
0: And it's funny you say that about the age because now we're at the point now where like 28 year old wide receivers are old. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's probably, it's probably gone too far, honestly. And, uh, I mean, you can, you can certainly take advantage of that. I mean, trading Julio Jones, trading, uh, trading for Julio Jones, for Adam Thielen, for T.Y. Hilton, for A.J. Green, you can get a lot of those guys, um, for, you you know, for a second rounder or less. Um, So, yeah, there's there's definitely ways to to take advantage of that mindset.
0: Okay, and for and for the record, in the debate, Hogue was was more correct in in what productive struggle means from what I remember.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I think that's correct. I talked to John later. I'm going to I'm going to have to jump on there and and lay down the law a little bit. There you go. (laughs)
0: Um, And and the next question, we actually when we knew you were coming on, this was sort of a question we wanted to ask you anyway. And uh, you actually ended up tweeting out something similar to what we were going to ask. So it worked out really nicely earlier this week, which was players um, that maybe you were targeting that uh, the community was maybe a little lower on. And you put out a tweet earlier this week about a guy from every team that you liked at um, at their ADP and and that you were looking to buy. So I just uh, we picked out a handful of them. And just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on them. Uh, one of the uh, the first one here I have, and I, I, you actually used the one QB ADP because, like you said, in reality, the even though in our like our little bubble, it's it's super flex, super flex. But um, I put the super flex ADP on here because we're kind of a super flex oriented show. So um, the first one I wanted to c- c- get your thoughts on is Darius Slayton, who has an ADP of 92. He was a guy you said you were looking to buy. What uh, what are your thoughts on him?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think he's, I think he's the best wide receiver on the Giants. Um, I mean, Golden Tate has had a, a, certainly a solid career, uh, but he's one of those guys like we were just talking about. He's, he's nearing the end and, and he's never really been that wide receiver one type player uh, for a team or or throughout his career and and really kind of similar things could be said of Sterling Shepard. And then he's also had that, had some injuries to overcome lately. So, uh, to me, Darius Slayton is is kind of last man standing, but I also think he's he's a really talented player. I'm excited about that Giants offense with those three guys, with Daniel Jones, Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley. Uh, I'm I'm anxious to see what uh, you know how they all kind of develop together, especially the the younger players there with Slayton, Barkley, and and Jones, um, and, and just kind of the the idea behind the tweet was players that I expect to either gain value or to outperform their ADP um, in, in the coming year.
0: And, yeah, you know, Dustin, I looked like you might want to say something there.
2: Oh, yeah. No, I just – I love the Darius Slayton take. I, I think he's – I'm right there with Ryan. I think he's the most talented uh, receiver in New York. Um, I kind of got forced into taking him yesterday. I did the outhouse challenge yesterday where – Every one of my leagues can send me a trade. And if if you're side one on Twitter, then I would accept the trade. And I I, the deal I got Slayton in, um, I was pretty I was pumped to get Slayton. I ended up I didn't like the deal because I had to give it Patrick Mahomes and Superflex. But Whoa. I got Slayton and I was pretty, pretty excited about it.
1: I, I've got to hear more about this.
2: So it's a the, this um the owner I have a, a pretty strong contending team. And the owner picked two players that I think are seeing, three players that are seeing just a pretty good bump on on Twitter and just in value in general. So he offered me Christian McCaffrey, Darius Slayton, and Deontay Johnson for Patrick Mahomes and Dallas Goddard in a, a Superflex tight end premium. And my only other tight end is Jared Cook. and. Like it, so, it won on Twitter because you know people are seeing Christian McCaffrey and Mahomes is the one and two in, in and a superflex startup ADP. So you know Slayton and uh, Deontay have just a lot of the, a lot of the hype right now. So right. he over over got her, but now so I accepted it. So my running backs are looking really good. I have uh, McCaffrey, Mixon, Cook, and, and stuff like that. But now in the superflex, I have Baker and Trubisky as my only quarterbacks. So, and rest of the week knows that. So I've been getting some, some offers today, trying to sell me a quarterback that are pretty, pretty (laughs) out there. So it's, I actually just got one right now. And so, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen that on, on Ryan on Twitter before, but yeah, I think the first one we saw do it was Russ Fisher dynasty outhouse. Yeah. Where he, he does that. And I, I did the same thing last year. You get, you get some awful offers, but some people, know how to play the game. Like the guy that, that made that offer to him, you, you, you pick the guys that Twitter loves and, and and you find a way to get a trade done.
1: Yeah. I've seen, um, a couple of my favorite guys, kind of my favorite go-to when I have a tough trade or Dwayne Brown and, uh, Brian Malone, both of those guys formerly of DLF, uh, and both super smart guys. Awesome. When it comes to, to trading and, and, and really building a team in general, I've seen both of those guys do similar things and, um, I can't remember specific examples, but I'm sure it worked out pretty well for them.
2: Yeah. I got like 57 offers in like two, three hours. I was like, okay, I'm done. This is exhausting, stressful. I, I put out to my league. So I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore.
1: And how, how um, many trades did you make out of 57?
2: Only three. Okay. Um, I would have been fourth, but Rocky sent one in the same league that another one got accepted. And it oh, okay. was both for the same player. The so same player, yeah. yeah. Um, but some of them were like fifty one forty nine, so they're pretty close. But that Mahomes one was is going to stick with me because I know I'm not going to be able to buy him back.
0: And now the league's holding him over a barrel, trying. He's trying. He's been trying to trade for a quarterback already, and nobody wants to give him anything without an overpay.
2: I did just get offered Stafford, so we'll see. I haven't looked too much into it yet, but
1: I love I love that for jump-starting activity in a league, though. That's it's, it's um, you know you you might have taken a hit on that deal uh p- perhaps but uh, honestly it's probably worth it just to to get the league going and i mean there might be uh there might be five or six other trades that happen because of that one so that's that's yep. awesome good for you yeah exactly right
0: okay and the next player uh we had was uh, that you mentioned that i put on here was dj Moore, which i thought was interesting because yeah, i think he might have been the highest adp guy you put on there but i totally agree i think he can still go up uh, I just think he's, you know, he's improved both from year one to year two. He's got the wide receiver one profile. Is that basically what you're thinking that he's, even though he's already, I think at uh, 25 in ADP, we could be looking at a first round startup guy eventually.
1: Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. I think he's even higher in, in the ADP I quoted. I believe he was. Um,
0: it was in the teens. Yeah, he was, he was.
1: Yeah, 16 overall. So we're talking middle of the middle of the second round. I mean, in, in my in my personal rankings, he's wide receiver three already. Um, so definitely would not be surprised at all if he is a first rounder uh, in Dynasty Startup ADP sometime within the next year, certainly by next offseason. So even though he, he's already expensive, I think his, his value goes up. Um, and I think he has a, a strong chance to outproduce that ADP.
2: So you have a number three. Who's your one and two?
1: Uh, Thomas is still my one and, uh, Tyree kills too.
2: Okay. I like it.
0: Okay. And I, the next guy I had to throw on here because I, I've been very vocal in not liking this guy. Uh, I'm assuming it's basically just because he's going so low, but, uh, you have Ronald Jones on here who, in Superflex ADP is 119. I'm sure whatever the ADP you had was higher. Um, but what are you thinking with that backfield? I mean, I I do like Vaughn a, a bit. I liked him before the draft, and and the landing spot's not bad. And since I'm such a Jones hater, I'm I'm definitely a pro Vaughn guy. But um, what are you thinking there?
1: Yeah, it's pretty much what you said. I mean, I've never been a, a big Ronald Jones fan myself. I, I do think he. I think he produced a lot better than maybe he's given credit for last year. Uh, He was an RB one in, in three games, which is actually 19% of the games he played. So we're talking basically one out of every five games. He's an RB one. He was an RB two, another 25% of his games. So basically giving you, um, giving you a starting quality uh, running back in, uh, in close to half of his games. Now, I mean, that's not, you know, that's, that's not a guy you would really want to spend a ton on, but you don't have to that. You talked about that ADP, his ADP has dropped quite a bit since the, uh, since the NFL draft, since they added Vaughn. And, um, I'm just, I'm just not sold that Keyshawn Vaughn is all that good. So if we can, if we can use his addition, as a chance to buy really low on Ronald Jones and get some production out of him. Then I like that idea. Unlike a lot of the other players on the list, if I were to be right, if he does outperform that ADP, he would be a player. I would uh, be looking to sell high on at some point because I, I don't trust him long-term.
0: Okay. Any thoughts on Jones? Uh, you know, I'm biased.
2: So. <laughs> Dustin, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I'm there with Ryan. I I still think that he's gonna get he's gonna get work in Tampa Bay. Like he's established in the system, and he's you know he's going in like the tenth round right now. Like it's just anybody that you know you're not gonna have him as your running back one or two. He might not even be your three. Like your running back four. I think he's he's a fine piece. He's gonna have those games where he's going to you know put a running back one numbers, but he's he's a great flex running back um so I'm right there with Ryan at at his ADP I'd buy him and right now I I think you'd probably only have to give up like a late second early third to get him like nobody there's a lot of people out there that don't like him so you can get him cheap um and you know half of his games he's going to put up maybe like one or two numbers so um I I like that
1: yeah one thing I like to do every offseason is look at um kind of look at the outlier players from the previous year. Outlier players being either players that greatly outperformed what we thought they might do, or, or on the other end, were were major disappointments. So one of those this past season was Kenyon Drake, and I've just been trying to think lately who could be the next Kenyon Drake. And it doesn't always work that way. It's not always. It's not that easy every year that that we have this uh, backup running back breaking out and and becoming an RB one. But if there's anybody out there, I think it might be Ronald Jones.
0: Okay. I'm, I'm (laughs) still not buying, but I understand. (laughs) I understand the logic. I understand the logic. Um, The next guy um, is a guy that a a lot of people are high on. I I know Bobby Koch is not, um, but drew Locke uh a lot of, uh, he seems to be shooting up there um you put him in one qb which obviously his adp was a lot lower um in whatever whatever i don't know, I have down what it was but it's 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 69 in superflex you still like him as a buy there in superflex
2: He's 160 in um the one qb 160 yep Wow
1: yeah, a big a lot, difference. Yeah, a lot, a lot easier to buy uh, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. at, at that one QB ADP for sure. Um, I mean, when you're when you're paying six, uh, what'd you say, sixty nine? Yeah, when you're paying nice. sixty nine overall uh, ADP, you've got to get you know you've got to get a starter. You've got to get not just a starter, but a, a starter with long term upside, uh, and. I, I, that certainly could be Drew Locke. I'm not sold that it's going to be Drew Locke, but when you look at one QB and he's 160, then it's like, why not? Right? The, the right. changes that they've made. Um, I think what's really interesting, and this is probably more of a case against him than for him, but he had a lot of hype last year. He starts, uh, I think he started five games, and I think the Broncos won four of them, I believe but his numbers were not great. He had one QB one game out of the five. uh, And, and most notably Cortland Sutton did not have any wide receiver one games during that span. In fact, I think he only had one as a top 24 wide receiver. So I really want to see what this year looks like, especially early in the season for Locke and and Sutton and that entire offense. I think it's going to be really one of the big storylines for dynasty players, because uh, along with those two, there, there's just so many um, dynasty relevant assets on that team. Most of them being young, like like Sutton and, and Locke are, you know, um, Jerry Judy and um, KJ Hamler and Noah Fant and Albert O, right? Like they have just so many pieces. So trying to figure out what that's going to look like and the early part of the season can really, you know, can tell us a lot, I think.
0: Yeah, and I, I am a pro lock guy, but yeah, I mean, 69 is pretty high. Um, so the last guy we had on here that I threw on here was Hayden Hurst, which uh, he seems to be rising as ADP, um, isn't that high right now, but just anecdotally, just on Twitter and things like that, he definitely seems to be starting to get more hyped up. Um, his ADP is only 151 on here, um, but. Um, what do you think? I mean, at that ADP, I think it's pretty nice. Uh, and definitely, you know, Atlanta seems to scheme somewhat for the tight end Hooper got a lot of targets. Um, so what, what's your thoughts on Hearst?
1: Yeah, I think he's, I think he's more talented than Hooper and, and I kind of think it's that simple. Um, that, like you said, Atlanta, uh, not only schemes for their tight ends, but also just one of the top offenses in the league. We should always be chasing Falcons players in general, uh, I'm not sure their running game got much better this year, you know, we, uh, or over the off season, of course, they had the struggles with the injuries to Devontae Freeman, uh, last year they bring in Todd Gurley. We'll, we'll see if he can stay healthy, but I just think Hearst, it, it feels a little bit lazy as far as telling that story, but I think Hearst slides right into the Hooper role and produces immediately.
2: Yeah. I like, I like the Hearst pick. Um, I thought I found it interesting. You said that Hurst is a talent, more talented than Hooper. I know Hurst went in the first round, so I, when they made the trade, I thought that was a brilliant move for Atlanta. Um, I I like I like the fit there. Um, I think Hurst is going to get a lot of targets, and that offense is going to be on the field uh, quite a bit. Yeah. So there's just going to be targets targets all over. So,
1: yeah, I, I thought the move made sense for for both sides, and I mean Hurst has taken. Um, you know, taking a lot of bumps over the the years, over his time in the league because uh, he came in a little bit older. You know, they they the Ravens reached for him, taking him late in the first round. They took him over Lamar Jackson and then traded back up. So I, I think a lot of things that weren't really Hayden Hurst's fault uh, have kind of been counted as strikes against him. Uh, the, the Mark Andrews breakout, I mean, everybody – I shouldn't say everybody, maybe everybody except for the Ravens had Mark Andrews rated above Hayden Hurst uh, in that draft class, at least people in the in the fantasy community did. So it, it shouldn't really be a, a huge surprise that Andrews produced and and Hurst was kind of slow to produce. Uh, but I, I don't think any of those are like signs that he can't play in the league or that he can't be a quality fantasy asset. It, it was just kind of uh you know, the circumstances he found himself
2: in. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. So the, the, so that was a fun exercise. So um, we're going to jump into, I think, the next question. Um, so this is from Scott Connor at Charles Chill FFB. He wants to know, what do you think the rebound or what's going to happen to the rebound of running backs who have been devalued due to rookies? You know, carry on Rojo, Aaron Jones, Marlon Mack. Um, are they guys who have a shot at second chances elsewhere due to a week 2021 20, RB class and a non-elite 2022 RB class at this point? Um, seems like over a correction. Uh, do you think they're still going to be able to find jobs? Or, or the, the running back landscape is always changing. So what are your thoughts on, on those guys that had running backs drafted behind them?
1: I think uh, basically all of them are great buys in dynasty right now and uh scott as always uh scott's w- one of the great dynasty players that i get to compete against and uh fellow writer at dlf as well um, i mean it, as sharp as they come so I, I know he's on to buying these guys as well even though he he never likes to buy running backs but <laughs> uh buying them at a if, if you've got to buy them buy them at a discount right uh, we already talked about uh talked about Ronald Jones a little bit carry on Johnson. So I was actually told um, by someone who knows carry on Johnson personally, that he doesn't even want to be a feature back. Like that's not how he sees himself. Um, that's not the role that he even wants. So uh, according to, to this person I spoke with, like he actually was happy about the Deandre Swift pick because now he, he, he wants to be part of that committee, kind of that one, two punch. So uh, I, I'm kind of anxious to see um, how he plays and, and how that committee works out. Or if it, you know, I guess if it is a committee, uh, but I've, I don't think I've ever had carry on Johnson on one of my teams over his uh, two years in the league. And, and I've been, I've drafted him a couple times in startups since the NFL draft because his, his his value is just falling off the cliff. It's the same thing with Marlon Mack in Indianapolis. Um, I'm probably a little, probably actually a little more confident in Carry On Johnson producing uh, or or getting a second chance than I am Mack.
0: Yeah, that that's really interesting to hear that about Carry On Johnson. Doesn't even want to be the lead guy himself. So that that I don't know that that bodes well for him even after Detroit. So, um,
2: Ryan in here dropping the
0: the personal. Knowledge. I know. Nice. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh next question we had was um this this wasn't in the, the listener question tweet, but this actually came to me from um somebody who listens to the pod, a buddy of mine, Akeem Smiley. Um, and he wanted to know what you thought with these two loaded wide receiver classes in 2020 and 2021. What looks like a wide-loaded wide receiver class next year, um, if it could create some market saturation and what that kind of might mean for the wide receiver position with so many talented guys coming in.
1: Yeah, and I think we're already seeing it. Honestly, um, you look at you look at the wide receivers being drafted in the first round right now, and there's just there's very little motivation to draft them. So that's, that's what the market saturation is going to do. It's going to push wide receivers as a whole down. Like, why would you draft DeAndre Hopkins in the first round? When I I look at the, the third round, the late third round, Allen Robinson's there earlier in the third round, Amari Cooper, Mike Evans is the third rounder. Odell Beckham Jr. is the third rounder. Like that's, that's crazy. And I right? imagine
0: the running backs you're getting there don't sound nearly as good. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You look at you look at the the one two that you could have there. If you're talking middle of the first round, you could have Hopkins and uh, Kenyon Drake, or you could have Alvin Kamara and Mike Evans. Like that's that's pretty easy, right? Yeah, it's an yeah. easy choice. So uh the the strong wide receiver class this year. I mean, we've got to wait for these guys to um, to really gain value, right now you look at CD Lamb, you look at Jerry Judy. They're both fourth rounders, so already carrying some significant value. Um, but if they produce, they're they're just skyrocketing from there. We're going to look at CD Lamb as a, a second round startup pick next year. Uh, you know, I, I feel pretty confident with that one. Um, and, and then the class of twenty twenty one that Akeem mentioned. a a lot of people are saying it's even better than uh, than this year's group. So yeah, it's just, it's going to result honestly in a a continued kind of plateau of wide receivers that the group is just so deep that you're going to, uh, you're going to focus on those running backs earlier.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. And I I do wonder even next year, if, uh, you know, if you're not a super high end guy, if it might even be harder to um, break in, uh, you know, into as a rookie, even, even like a second round rookie you might have more trouble getting on the field than, than you would expect.
2: But yeah, that um, league that I was uh, talking about where I got CMC, like I have like all the running back or all the wide receivers that you, you just mentioned like buying two, I have Odell Beckham, I have T Y I have Mike Evans, I have Julio Jones because like nobody wants them. And I'm like buying that dip, like yeah. third, third Evans for third round for Evans and o- Odell. That's, that's just insane. Like, so I'm buying up that discount all over the
0: place. Okay. So let's uh, get moving along. We're running along here. So <laughs> the next question is another listener question from, hopefully I'm saying this right, Ryan Trozen at T uh, Trozen R. Um, he said, Ryan created the Catch-22 Leagues, which uh, admittedly I wasn't totally familiar with, but I did. Kind of educate myself a little on it after the question, and he just said, "What are your thoughts on them now that they're finished?" Uh, I guess maybe if you want to explain a little bit to, to the listeners exactly what they are, and it, when I looked it up, it sounds sort of like a almost like a precursor to a vampire league, almost. Uh, yeah, you, yeah,
1: yeah. Exactly. So um, this was uh, let's see, guys. This was 2016 uh, around this time of year, and kind of like we're doing right now. We, we're, we're already almost moving on from the current rookie class and starting to look at next year, right? Like uh, we want to get our hands on those guys already. And, and that's, that's what I was thinking, looking ahead to the class of 2017. Um, and, and honestly, it wasn't even uh, Alvin Kamara or, or Christian McCaffrey. It was more like Leonard Fournette and Corey Davis and Dalvin Cook and, um, and Joe Mixon as well. So I I basically, I mean, it started out honestly as kind of a a joking tweet of, uh, I want to make a league where I get all the rookies next year. And it, it became, uh, it became an actual league that we started. Uh, some other DLF guys wanted in on it. So I think we made five or six of them, um, but basically the premise of the league is we had a 22 round startup and I did not participate in the startup draft. Uh, I I skipped all my picks and instead I made my team up of uh, waiver wire players. So once the draft was over, I got to pick 22 players from the waiver wire and that was my team. But uh, again, the leagues were called catch 22. So the catch was I got the entire first round of the 2017 NFL draft or, or the our dynasty rookie draft, I should say. So um I I was able to draft all those names that we know really have have changed the dynasty game. McCaffrey and and I did take Corey Davis. Uh and, <laughs> and I think I actually traded the second pick. So I think somebody else got Fournette, who was kind of the consensus 102, 101, 102 at that point. Uh but Cook and McCaffrey and Mixon and Kamara. Um and yeah, that was a good draft to right, have the right. entire first round. <laughs> all those all those names. Um and then the leagues, so so it's funny, of the I think there were five of us, I believe, but of the five of us who were in that role in the different leagues, two of them won championship championships in the second season. So of course, uh nobody really did well the first year. I think one I think one guy made a bunch of trades and, and maybe snuck into the playoffs. I think I won two games in the first year. The second year I won, uh, I won the regular season and uh, I think I lost in the playoffs, but uh, two or three of them won, won championships in year two, really just based on that class of 2017. Uh, So it, it was certainly fun. It was, it was a a neat wrinkle to a league. I I don't think it would work every year. Um, If you'd done that last year, you know, you'd probably be pretty happy mm-hmm. taking in the entire first round that we're looking at currently. And, and maybe you're starting to look at next year and, and thinking it could be a good idea. Uh, it's it's a little thin at running back as we talked about earlier. So I, I don't know if it would be a great plan, uh, but you would certainly load up on, on uh, quarterbacks and wide receivers.
2: All right, so we got one more listener question and this is from Trader Joe, our, our buddy at FF Trader Joe. So if you could have any athlete to hang with for the day, what would you do with Don Mattingly? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Joe and I uh, definitely share our Yankee fandom. Uh, his his story is a little different than mine for sure. Uh, he, he I, I believe, grew up in New York and is a big big Don Mattingly fan, big Yankee fan. I grew up and, and still live in Kentucky, and uh, I've actually never even been to New York, never been to Yankee Stadium uh, never got to see Don Mattingly play in person, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, we're we're both about the same age, so huge Don Mattingly fans. I, I don't know what I would do. I'd probably rather hang out with Joe than Don Mattingly at this point, though. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I'm I not a Yankees fan, so I'm a Mariners fan. Um, I actually used to work for the Seattle Mariners for about eight or nine years nice. um, while I was in college. But I did get to go to the Mariners' last game at the old Yankee Stadium and back when you know Mariners had Eric Bedard and, and and terrible teams like that. Um it was it was cool to experience the stadium. Um and but the Mariners got shellacked. It wasn't a fun experience for me, and I don't know that I'll ever go back. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. But yeah, I agree. Joe definitely seems like a fun guy to hang out with. Um, but we'll get in uh, to our Find Me a Trade segment of the show. Find me a trade! This is where uh, every week, you know, we get a listener submission. Um, you can send it to DynastyJunkiesPod at gmail.com or DM me, Dustin, or the pod account at Dynasty Junkies. And just a way to look at trades where we take in roster construction um, and kind of analyze the trade process a little bit. So um, this week, we got a submission from uh, fl 2 minimum at fl 2 minimum who also has um, a couple pods, I believe, uh, super flexible and is rookie fever, his pod, or I don't know if you guys know, but <laughs> I know he has a second. Pod he's all over the place. Yeah. yeah. He's all over the place. <laughs> anyway. I um, want to give a, a brief overview of his team. First, the league, it's 12 teams, super flex um, 0.5 PPR for running backs, one PPR for wide receivers, 1.5 tight end premium, It's a 28-man roster, start 11, QB, two RBs, two wide receivers, tight end, super flex, and four flex. And he's got kind of an in-the-middle team. He said he earned the 106 in this year's rookie draft to kind of give you an idea where he's at and was just curious to see where we would go with it. So um, his team is – got to pull his team up here. I apologize, guys. I have it. So
2: the quarterback (laughs) has got um, Burrow, Kirk Cousins, Tua, He's got Jameis there as well, running back. He has Dalvin Cook, Cream Hunt, Miles Sanders. Then he has like Jamal Williams, Adrian Peterson, Peyton Barber. Not not much outside of those top three. Uh, wide receiver, he has A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, Jarvis Landry, Debo Samuel, Mike Williams. And then at um, tight end, he's got Ebron, uh, Drew Sample, Cameron Brait. And then he has Eno you know, Benjamin, Lynn Bowden, and Van Jefferson on his taxi squad. Okay. And yeah, sorry about that. I did have it up, but something happened
0: there. Anyway, um, Ryan did take time out of his busy schedule to find a trade. So let's let our guests go first here. What trade did you come up with?
1: Yeah, so I actually cheated a little bit because I used the uh, the Dynasty Trade Analyzer that we have at DLF, which uh, I have to say is a pretty awesome tool. Uh, but looking over uh, looking over this team, I mean, he kind of said it himself. He feels like he's maybe a middle of the road team, and definitely some some nice pieces to have there, including the two rookie quarterbacks this year. Uh, I love love having Sanders on a team for sure, but some holes to fill, you know, and I don't think when I look at this team, I don't think it's a 2020 uh, championship contender. Uh, so because of that, I would look to try to get younger, try to fill some of those holes and try to move on from pieces that I think are um, about to lose value and, and possibly a lot of value. So the the player that I would be looking to move from this team, the first player I would be looking to move is DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, we've talked about him. He's still going in the first round, uh, still certainly a very valuable player. Uh, but if you're not going to win a title, like I said, I, I think you might want to move on from him. So I looked for a team who had a bunch of young pieces who maybe needed that stud wide receiver, uh, Who a, a team who could potentially win or, or, or compete for a 2020 title. And I found a a deal that that might work. The trade analyzer said it was actually in favor of the Hopkins side, but I I think it's pretty fair. DeAndre Hopkins for Jerry Judy, Mecole Hardman, and Tyler Higby. So you get the two young wide receivers in Judy and Hardman. Love the upside of both of those. Obviously you also get Tyler Higby and right now that the tight end one situation is Eric Ebron and that's no good. So <laughs> um, adding Higby there, that same team also has Irv Smith. You could pivot to him if you wanted, if you pivot down to Irv Smith, maybe you even get a fourth piece, a draft pick or something like that. Yeah. You, I get,
0: yeah. I definitely like that trade. Um, especially with start 11, getting multiple starters for Hopkins is a good idea. Um, tons of upside there. You know who knows what what Sammy Watkins is going to do this year. Maybe Miko can overtake him. So uh, and Judy, you know, is some people's wide receiver one in this class, and he definitely needed tight end help. I definitely like that one. Um, unless you have any other thoughts, Dustin, when you give yours.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll jump into mine. So um, I'm kind of right there with with Ryan. I I think he's a he's got some talent on his team. but he's definitely a middle of the road team. I don't see him. He's not, he's not bad enough to do the productive struggle, really. But he's not good enough to to win. I personally, um, and part of that was his, his running back depth a little bit. Um, so what I came up with, and you know, I I'm trying to sell running backs right before, um, and this trade might have been easier to to make a couple of days ago. But I, I'm I'm wanting to trade running backs before they get that second contract. You just never know what's going to happen. Um, and I think he needs a little bit. Of running back depth, so um, my trade was him trading away Dalvin Cook and Tua, and getting Daniel Jones, Cam Akers, and Kenny and Drake. So, my thought process behind this was, you know, Tua was going above Daniel Jones um, and, and uh, Superflex ADP, but I think Daniel Jones w- had a, a really solid year last year, and he's only going to continue to pr- progress. I don't see him having the Baker fall off in year two um, I think Daniel Jones is is pretty underrated and you know he's already going into the season with with Burrow and I don't want to have I don't want to depend on two rookie quarterbacks so using the the little bit of value in Tua to um, over Daniel Jones um, to take a little bit of that that value that Dalvin Cook might have lost this week um, and moving that to Akers and Drake um, it gives him you know uh sanders acres drake and then hunt as a a a four so he's got a a pretty good stable of running backs right there he's got some youth there um drake looked really good in arizona last year so i just think that overall gives him a little bit of depth and he's not going to be losing anything at quarterback what do you guys think
0: yeah, my only comment would be, as like you said, as I'm just worried of how you know if how much of a value hit Dalvin's taken this week because of the whole holdout thing. Um, I mean, I love the return um, for two drink. Um, I I would break Daniel Jones over to it right now. Um, it's close, but um, we've seen Daniel Jones do it. But let, let what, Ryan, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree. Quarterback's kind of a wash um, long term, I think, and and we can and should expect more of Jones this season. So I, I think this move, uh, where where my move kind of likely moves him down the standings, takes him out of, you know, maybe takes him out of playoff contention this season, uh, this is a, almost a lateral move, but also gives him some some depth at the running back position. So, I, yeah, I like this one. This one makes sense.
0: Okay, and we'll get into my trade. Um I basically I I, this team kind of reminded me of my team in Trade Addicts three going into 2019. Uh, It was very I thought it was very middling. Uh, It was hard to totally tank it, though. Um, A lot of guys had all the first. And actually, I think I noticed that in this league that a lot of guys had a bunch of the first. I don't know if they're willing to give them up or not. And what I ended up doing was sort of kind of I had to sort of retool on the fly rather than just blow it all up. So that's sort of what I tried to do here. I I wanted to get him younger, um, and I kind of agree with most of what both of you two have said. And I'm trying to move guys that I'm worried are going to lose value. So mine was Give Hopkins and A.J. Green for Clyde edwards FANT, Noah Fant, Darius Slayton, who we talked about earlier, and 2021 third. Just because why not? Uh, I, I would probably do it without the third. But um, and the guy he's trading him to, he looks like he's got a decent roster um that he might be able to contend. He's got and he's got a lot of running well, not a lot, but he's got a decent amount of running backs on here. He's got Chubb, he's got Connor, um, who's he, you know, long term issues, but could be good this year. And he's also got uh, Austin Eckler. So he might be able to be willing to trade Clyde Edwards Lair, and especially because his receiver room is not very good. He's got DJ Moore as his wide receiver one, which I love, but after that it's kind of thin. He's got Parker, uh and and not a lot. He's got does got Slayton, but um not a lot else there. So and he also has uh, Hunter Henry, so he might be willing to trade Fan is what I'm thinking. And as we mentioned, uh, two drinks, um, tight end room is not very good, so getting Fan would be great. Um, and you, he gets to you – know, if you're trying to rebuild slash retool, it's not always great to add running backs. But I think uh, Ch definitely can have long-term value since he's just – he's he's – predominantly a pass catcher and those guys tend to last a lot longer. So that was my thinking with that trade. Uh, what do you guys think?
1: I love that one. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think there's a huge value gap between Hopkins and Edwards Hilaire at this point. Now you know come the regular season and if Clyde is a disappointment, then obviously that would change. but right. as of right now, you know can you trade can you trade Hopkins and get the 101? Maybe, maybe not. You know, I think that's close uh, or, or the, you know, 102, 103 in, in the super flex format. Um, so maybe, maybe it's Clyde in the third for Hopkins. And then you look at, if that's how you break it down, then getting Fant and Slayton uh, for AJ Green, I'd take either one of those guys for AJ Green. So I think that one's a slam dunk for, for him.
2: Yeah. I think if he could pull it, it would be fantastic. I, w- I would love that return. I don't know that he's going to get that. Um, I think he would – I don't know that he'll be able to get Slayton back in the deal. Um, but I still think Hopkins and A.J. Green for C.H. Fant in a third, he needs another piece there. So it's it, 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 it'll it take some playing with to get that deal done. But if, if he could get that return, I would I would be ecstatic.
0: Yeah, I get that. I was thinking the same thing with the, the, the CH and Hopkins, especially the ADP value is pretty close. Um, but I I was basically banking on the guy is, is some being semi desperate for receivers and having basically four startable running backs. So again, taking the roster construction in, I thought he might be willing to do it. And if not, like you said, you know, negotiation, so (laughs) maybe something close to it. Um, So that finishes that up. So that's pretty much the end of our show. Um, I want to thank Ryan again so much for coming on. Uh, You were a great guest and I really loved having you here. We both did. Um, If there's anything else you want to, you want to plug or or, or say anything else to to sign before we sign off here?
1: No, no. Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah. I would just say, check out our work at dynasty league football.
0: Okay. Sounds good. So just a, a reminder for us, um, I'm Rocky Petrell at Dynasty FF Addict. Dustin's at Dynasty Junkie FF. Um, make sure to subscribe and follow uh, the DAP network at uh, DAP underscore network. And if you like what you heard here tonight, which I don't see how you could with, couldn't could with Ryan on here, um, just, just give us a, a subscribe and a rating and review. The reviews really help. Um, let us know what you like, what you don't like, what we should do going forward. So... Uh, Thanks for listening, and we'll be back in your ears next week.
2: Junkies out.